Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu, Drew Doherty with you. And it's a short week, which means no active player was willing to appear. No, I'm kidding. We're not getting active players on a short week show. This is a sort of tradition. So we go to our legends, and we have a good one with you today. Cecil Shorts the third, who just got done with a segment. Segment, he got done with the afternoon show on Sports Radio 610, the flagship station. Cecil, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on, y'all. I'm excited. Thanksgiving week is uh, – I heard your talk yesterday about um, sides being like, you know, carrying the turkey, and I, I have mm-hmm. to agree with you. Sides make the Thanksgiving meal. It's true, isn't it? It's like you have a quarterback who's just okay. Turkey's the game manager, but everything else is the skill position stuff, the, the yeah. dressing or stuffing, wherever you're from, mashed potatoes, gravy, all the rest of it. So you agree with me? Absolutely, man. If you have good size, the turkey can be average. Like you can have a kind of a dry turkey or whatever the case may be. If you got good mac and cheese and everything else, and the juices are flowing from right. that, oh, you you can't you can't lose. I think I it's not like Emily Post etiquette to do this, but I, I want to know: Does anybody just cut a piece of turkey and take a bite of actual turkey without any gravy, mashed potatoes, dressing, or something else on it, in addition to the turkey? Like you don't ever eat a piece of turkey on Thanksgiving. Raw, like not raw, but just the turkey, right? You always dress it up with something. I do, oh, yeah. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Just like, you eat it by itself? I have a good protein. It. Y'all are hating on the protein for the Thanksgiving dinner. You gotta like, mix it with stuff. I do, but I don't want to ham delicious. with my sides. I don't want to steak with my sides. I want turkey. Like, that makes the meal. It'd be You're a doing your turkey wrong if you need turkey. sides on it, man. It's like, the turkey can be just perfect. Yeah. Maybe a little bit Y'all of are just not cooking your turkey properly. Perhaps. That's right, exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, one time, one one time at band camp. No, one time uh, the the missus and I we had Thanksgiving before kids and everything. So we put the turkey in the oven. We had never done a turkey before, and we go play nine holes of golf. Come back, and the turkey. Um, I take it out, and it looks really like I can't cut into it. There's like no meat on it. We realized we put it in upside down, and uh, apparently this is actually something people sometimes do on purpose. So the cu- turkey cooked upside down, but that meant all the juices were really soaked in. And it was really good. You know, once I flipped it over and figured out what was going on, because I cut it into the turkey, I'm like, it's all bones. But, uh, I, you know, I was that much of a rookie with any kind of cooking, you know, prowess. Sounds so, like you anyway. stumbled onto something, though. Like, that should be the way to cook it if it makes it juicier, huh? It does. It, I've heard that people actually do that, you know. And I've never fried one. Have you guys ever deep fried a turkey, which apparently oh, you can blow up yes. your house? Doing I've that. been around when it's happened, yeah, but I've never done it myself. So mm-hmm. that's, that's uh well, what about you, Cecil? Now, like, what is your, you have 17 children. No, you have seven children. It feels so, like 17. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, who has more? You or Philip Rivers? I've, I've lost track here. Philip beat me by two. I believe Philip has nine and I okay. have only seven. You got some work to do, my friend. <laughs> so no, 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 no. We're done. That's, that's how, how are you celebrating Thanksgiving? How are you going to handle it? You know what? Um, my mother-in-law came to town. Um, and then uh, normally we have tons of family and friends over. That's like kind of our holiday thing. Like my birthday is in December. My daughter's birthday is right after the day after my birthday. So they all kind of come down for the holiday and, and we spend time and they get to give gifts. And my mom gets to give, you know, all the kids presents for Christmas and stuff. But this year's a little different. So um, my mother-in-law's in town. My sister will be in town. But we're just real low-key this year. Um, just kind of hanging out. Not trying to, you know, be do too much out out and about. Just trying to, just trying to play it safe. But we still got our traditions going. We're gonna put the Christmas tree up and play Christmas music right after right after dinner. We're still gonna do our lights oh, and everything. Good. So it's, it's gonna be a good time. 
So wait, that's a regular thing. After the dinner, you put up the tree that night. That night. So after the dinner, um, as soon as everybody's done eating, we'll you know hang out and relax, laugh. We'll play a couple games of taboo, which I always lose <laughs> in for whatever reason. I, I cannot beat my wife in taboo. It's so frustrating. But anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so we usually play, I mean, we usually put up the tree and all the lights that night. We have Christmas music playing. I'm the only one that loves Christmas music. My son's like, it's the same music. It's just different genres. I'm like, yes, and I love all the genres. So I just take turns <laughs> switching the songs, switching the genres. So yeah, it's kind of like our, our little tradition. I mean, that's a lot of work to put up all the tree and the decorations. I feel like I need to muster up energy for all that. So after eating a whole turkey Thanksgiving meal... How are you not in like a post-turkey coma with all that tryptophan in your body? How are you, how do you get the oh, energy to do that? I'm just a holiday person. Like I said, I was born in December and then normally it's tons of people at my house. So like, it's like a group effort that everybody's doing it together. So this year would be a little different because it's not that many people um, that, that can help. But normally, I mean, it's, it's 15, 20 people over there and everybody's putting in. You know what I mean? Everybody's helping with the tree and the ornaments and putting up all the decorations outside and stuff. So normally a team effort. And then we go back and eat again. <laughs> like now yeah. we're, we've built up an appetite. It's time to have the second. That's what we used to do. We used to do it at my parents' house. We'd eat it early, watch a bunch of football, and then we'd eat again at dinner. And my mom would, every year, my mom was like, you guys are eating again? Well, like, you know, because I had the salty <laughs> and now I had to eat something sweet and then I had yeah. the sweet then I got to eat something salty it's this vicious cycle that you're in for the it's whole the yin day. and the yang it's that's yeah. how it works I mean you go back and forth with it mm -hmm. and uh what about pie see so you get to, by the way you can tell we're three and seven because this <laughs> is the lead okay <laughs> this is the lead <laughs> hey great win last week though Not it was a great win well we get to it but um pie I'm big on on fruit pie so apple pie and cherry pie and then my mom makes the best sweet potato pie I have ever tasted in my life. Now, I only eat sweet potato pie from my mom. I haven't had too many other sweet potato pies. <laughs> but she is so good at making sweet potato pie. So this year, I won't be able to have it because she's not going to be here. Um, but normally, I'm like apple and cherry pies. I'm not a big pecan guy. I don't like the nuts in there. I don't like the pecans. Um, but any sweets, I'm, I'm all about it. All right, so are you with me that it needs to be a federal law that vanilla ice cream needs to be served with pie? Or are you just like straight? No, everybody's shaking their time head. Out, time out, time no. out, Cease. We're going to answer this. this. Hold on, Mark hold on. <laughs> it doesn't matter what dessert Mark is going to eat. It doesn't have to be pie. It doesn't have to be chocolate cake. He's going to want a la mode no matter what. Yeah, that's true. That's I feel true. like you just, need it. you just need the dessert to go with your vanilla ice cream. Because really, for Mark, the star of his dessert show is the mm. vanilla ice cream, well, which I've it, never quite understood. That's if it's with – if I'm just having straight ice cream, I'm never ordering vanilla. But, you know, vanilla goes with every kind of dessert, so it's a safe bet. See, that's the thing here. See, so in uh, COVID days, we would, you know, eat quite a bit as a department when we'd go to road games, <laughs> when we'd go to the combine and stuff like that. And every single time we'll finish our meal, it's about time to decide to get the check or get dessert. And Mark goes like this, anyone, dessert? Mm. And, he'll, <laughs> and it's Everyone's like, like asking, but it's like, we're having dessert. Not that we're complaining, <laughs> but it's not really a question from Mark. Rhetorical. Rhetorical. Yeah, yeah, that's how I operate. Okay. Yeah, what I that's love fun. is he never asks 
anybody what they want. Then he was for <laughs> a fudge brownie a la mode. <laughs> and sometimes I'll say, well, maybe I felt like eating uh, this on the <laughs> DP wants like the, the sorbet and the I, I fruity usually want thing. fancy or pecan yeah. pie or whatever the restaurant's known for, but I'm usually out. All right, see, so let's get into the Patriots game. What did you think? Deshaun Watson playing very well. This is the kind of performance they're really capable of. When they're playing like this, they could beat anybody. Maybe they want to run it better, but the way they stopped the run, the way Watson played, what did you think? Deshaun, and it's hard to see it because, you know, the Texans record is, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. But Deshaun is playing lights out. Like, his statistically, he is Mm -hmm. outstanding. So, um, how they played as a team and put it kind of put it on his back. The run game wasn't working. Okay, let's just hit our tight ends. Let's use our let's use Aikens across the middle. Um, let's use Farrell Brown, who I love, uh, grew up with him. I mean, just finding different receivers in the end zone, just finding different guys and be able to use his feet. But how about him running that guy over? Come on, man. Yeah. That set the Rocked tone. Him. I'm like, oh. At first, I'm like, wait a second, is he okay? All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was something you bring that up, Cecil. Uh, every week we do this thing on HoustonTexans.com. It's called Enemy Intel, and it's basically we get the quotes from the opposing team talking about the Texans. McCourty last week talked about how deceptively strong Deshaun Watson is. You don't realize how strong he is. He can get hit, da 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 but he's really, really strong, both upper body and lower body. And then look who, what happens to him. After he says that, I mean, he got absolutely trucked. It was amazing, and you know, that gave the Texans a lead for good. They didn't relinquish it after that. And like we heard from all his teammates, it was kind of a spark. It got them going. Yeah. I mean, how can you not love it when your your leader is doing that, right? When your quarterback – I mean, it reminds me like when Fitzpatrick would try to do something like that, right? It, it gets everybody going. It gets the whole crowd, everybody into it. But as, as your teammate, when your quarterback is putting their body on the line, they normally don't do that. It, it just shows how much it means to them. And for him to run over that particular guy, because McCourty's a very good player, and for him to run him over, it, I mean, it, it spoke volumes, and it definitely got them got them juiced up on both sides of the ball, man. To be able to stop that run game, because I believe the week before, the Patriots were running the ball very well with Damian Harris and a little bit of Cam. So to be able to slow that run game down, too, is, is a big deal. As a wide receiver, how much fun has it been watching this offense? Do you feel a little bit jealous that you're not still playing in the league? Because it seems like all these years we've talked about just getting that deep passing game going for the Texans. And this year, it just seems like everything revolves around it. They're able to get these long passes, these big explosive plays out on the field. How much fun has it been for you as a wide receiver to watch that? It's been depressing, DB. I'm like, <laughs> not please, no. <laughs> fun no, it's, and it's, yet sad, yes. I know, right? It, 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 but it's, it's been good. It's been good because it's like whoever's open, he's going to target. Like he's going to figure out he – he's going through his progression – Okay, Cobb is open here. Boom, I'm going to hit him. Okay, on this particular play, I know that we got uh, Aikens in the slot here, and we that's going to drive down number 35 to check, and we like that matchup. Boom, let's hit him. Like, he's just finding the right guys, and it's so fun because he can hit anybody at any time. And like the Jacksonville game a couple weeks ago, you had Will Fuller on a big run. You had Brandon Cooks on a, a big run after the catch. It's so exciting to watch these guys play. Any one of these guys can make a big play at any point. And, um, yes, I am jealous. <laughs> but it's, it is fun to see. It, it really is. I would imagine as a wide receiver, that's like your dream come true to be in an offense like this where you've got all these guys that can compliment you so that if you're not open, someone else is, is going to get yeah. the ball. But eventually your turn will come too. 
Yeah, like you don't have to worry about it. Like they can't just key on me because now you got everybody else that can get the ball and make plays. So it's like you, uh, it's a it's a true defense rather than have to shade to one particular person. And when you when you have a, a like a not not a stallion, but a, a group of guys that can continue to make plays week after week after week, and you can tell they're getting really good chemistry together. Um, and I'm not sure what the status is on Cobb. I hope he can come back as soon as possible, but. I mean, when you got chemistry, you can hit any one of your top guys, and then you got the tight ends being involved um, the last two or three weeks. It's it's a huge help. Cecil, you mentioned Pharaoh Brown earlier, and I we want to we need to get into Pharaoh Brown a little bit. But a couple of years ago in August, you were standing next to me at the Greenbrier, and you said, "You watch, Will Fuller's a number one receiver. He's capable of being a number one receiver. He's finally been healthy." Somebody asked in a press conference earlier this week, "Is it just the health, or has he added something to his game?" and has he done anything this year that surprised you? Nothing Nothing surprised me. Um, he's just, as any good player would, as years go on, you keep developing. You keep getting better. You keep fine-tuning your game, whether it's catching the ball, whether it's routes, whether it's releases, whether it's you know understanding coverages, whatever the case may be. And then he's been blessed to play with the same quarterback for a long time. So when you have that chemistry with him and the way Fuller and Deshaun have that, um, when they can trust each other, when they know where he wants, when Fuller knows where Deshaun wants him and, and Deshaun knows where he's going to be, it's just a matter of time before all he had to do was stay healthy. Like that, That's literally all he had to do. He had all the tools, and I'm just so happy for him that he's finally getting over that hump. Um, so, I mean, he's a career year for yards, I believe, and everything. So he's on his way to having a really good year. Um, continue to have a really good year, and he's going to get paid. I, I'm, I'm excited for him. Hopefully he stays in the Texan uniform for sure. Cecil, I'm always impressed by receivers' ability to catch and hang on to the football, despite the fact that large human beings are barreling down on them, trying to hit them as hard as they possibly can. And even if they're not coming, it's always out there as a possible threat, and the ball's flying in from the quarterback's arm, and you're doing your best to catch it, and then, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to hit me. What's that all like? It's it's extremely tough, but once you do it over and over again, it's something that you become accustomed to, but it's still it's still tough because you know the hit is coming. And depending on the week, depending on the game, depending on who you're playing, that hit can be a real big hit coming. <laughs> yeah. Or it could be, you know, just a normal hit. And, and and it's weird because some of the hits you take that might not look big hurt the most. And then some of the big hits, obviously, you know that hurts. But some of the big hits, it's like, you know, you see guys pop right back up and they're okay. So it's just a real focus on the football, right? It's like, okay, I know I'm about to get hit. You can feel it coming most of the time. Sometimes you can't, but you can feel it coming most of the time. So let me just secure this catch and I'll take the hit and I'll be fine. Is that why it's so important to get physically stronger as you progress throughout your career? I mean, some guys come into the league really strong. Andre Johnson, DK Metcalf. Not every rookie is built like that. Will Fuller among them, and he's gotten stronger as he's gone along. You have to be able to take the big hits, so you have to strengthen your body. What about that part of it? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the things you learn. Like, this is not college. And I know in college you're considered grown, but these are real grown men paying mortgages and card notes. and everything. There's a difference. And these got guys seven are kids. And <laughs> seven kids. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a thing where you have to build muscle. But the receiver position is interesting. You can't build too much to slow you down, right? You got to build enough to make sure you're comfortable with it. You can still move. You can still feel good with it, but enough to stay healthy as well. Cecil, you mentioned chemistry a little bit earlier. I feel like with Brandon Cooks early on, it was a little bit slow going for him. And, you know, we saw a game where he didn't get any catches. And then all of a sudden, it just – 
turned on. Do you feel like there was a moment in the season where you're watching him and you thought he's about to turn the corner, maybe even before he did? Or, or what is it that, that it takes for a receiver to start developing that sort of chemistry like he has with Deshaun now? Hate to, I guess, sound repetitive from, you know, everything that's going on in the world with COVID, but not having the offseason, mm-hmm. that stinks. Like, it, it yeah. really does. It, it really hurts the timing and the, the preparation and just the overall um, practice, your ability to get reps over and over and over and over and over again. And that's all it takes. It just reps over and over and over again. And you can't replace game reps. So them preseason reps they didn't get, you can't replace those because those those count. Those are a lot different than regular practice reps. Um, so it, I knew it was going to take some time to get some chemistry. But once they got rolling, man, I mean – I believe the last four or five games, he averaged about six catches and 93 yards, and he's, he's doing outstanding. Like, he is, he is the guy we all thought he would be coming in, right? He's the guy – I mean, everywhere he's been, he's made plays. He's, all, he's always been the, one of the top receivers on the team. It's no, no stranger to that. So, once um, he got comfortable and him and Deshaun built that chemistry and they understood each other, and, and to be honest, he still – I mean, he still had to learn the playbook. I mean, even though he came from New England in a similar system, he was with the Rams before that. Like, you have to learn the playbook and, and understand how Tim Kelly wanted it, how Deshaun wanted it, because it's different nuances and different routes and stuff that you got to get on the same page with the quarterback and with the OC. Um, but they, they got things rolling, man. The chemistry part of it is one thing. You mentioned the playbook. When you came here, how difficult was it to absorb what this offense is? Because I know it's changed somewhat from when you were here, but it's basically the same fundamental structure, this Bill O'Brien-type offense that he got from New England and put some other things in uh, that he knew from before. How difficult was it to absorb that playbook? It was it was crazy. Um, Coming from Jacksonville, where uh, I had three offensive coordinators in four years, and the last, uh, the last two years, I, had, I was fortunate to have the same offense coordinator, Jed Fish. And um, he had a very simplistic offense compared to what Bill O'Brien was running. So I remember coming in in the springtime, and I go to the store, and I buy, like, you know, index cards. You know, I'm not thinking I'm going to use all of them. It's like 200, a deck of 200 index cards. I'm like, you know, whatever. I have extra. I can use whatever. I used every single index card trying to memorize these plays, memorize just, just the formations alone. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. So we're putting in tons of formations and there's tons of verbiage and there's tons of uh, different, it's kind of the, to be honest, it's kind of the same formations. It's just different people lined up in different places. So it looks different to the defense. So I'm like, oh, I'm trying to find clues within the formation. Like, you know, it might be an H. This, this H means the H is on the ball. Or this, this F means F's on the ball. Whatever the case may be, that, that particular position. So it was extremely hard. And I didn't feel all the way comfortable until um, probably early on I felt comfortable because we were basic. Um, and as the season went on, end of the year, I felt comfortable with the offense. But going into next year, I'm like, okay. I got it down now. Like, I fully understand everything that was going on. And I felt comfortable enough to help Will Fuller, to help Braxton Miller, to help Jalen Strong and all the young guys. They're like, hey, I know I know what I got going on. If you need any help, come holler at me, do whatever you need. But it didn't take me till year two in that offense. Wow. And I was on there for, for training camp to fully feel confident in it. So it's definitely a, a complicated thing. You talk about that on the whole, how complicated it was, but – you were pretty comfortable with that one play where you threw the touchdown pass to Alpha Blue, right? You knew that one down like that, yeah? <laughs> hey, so I probably told y'all this story. So uh, the year before, I threw a touchdown against the Texans against the on Texas. the exact same play. So something happened where a quarterback was hurt the week 
of that Jets game when I was here with the Houston. Some I don't know who was hurt. Hoyer, Hoyer or somebody. Hoyer, Hoyer was, was hurt. hurt. Yates Every started. week somebody was hurt that year. Yeah, yeah. Yates, started, Yates started the game. And all that week they're like, we got to find another guy that can throw. And I'm like, coach, I can throw. And he was like, I don't know, Cecil. I don't know. I'm like, I can throw. And I'm thinking, like, you remember I threw a touchdown against your sorry butt last year? <laughs> 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 so I'm, yeah, I'm talking trash in my head, but he didn't say nothing. So the next day, he comes to me, he puts me in the hallway, like, hey, you're the a-hole that threw the touchdown against us. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was me. So we had a little fun with that. So, yeah, we, we literally took the exact same play from the year before in Jacksonville and did it with the, with the Jets and they called it in the right situation. And it was, it was fun. Blue, blue had a blast with that. It was a great day. It was part of a great run that year, 2015. Cecil Shorts is with us. Texans players show. We continue. We'll talk to him a lot about Detroit Thanksgiving, probably stay away from the food from here on out and talk more about the football. So let's get to it here on the Texans players show on Texans radio players show on Texans radio players. Show. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, DP City with Drew Doherty with you, hanging out with Cecil Shorts III as Thanksgiving is upon us, as the Texans have a super short week. Okay, Cecil, short week. In fact, that could be a name of your own show, Short Week, uh, mm. presented by Cecil Shorts. Well, <laughs> there's so much you can do, really. Short game, uh, so many things. I mean, look, I'm a marketing guy at heart, I guess. But tell me about a short week and, and what that's like, because Romeo told me you got to get the body back. I mean, that's the key thing. It's one thing to get ready for the game plan and everything, but you can't get too crazy with stuff before you get physically ready to play. So what's it like uh, getting ready for a short week game? Yeah, if, if you think of a normal week, you probably – I know when I play, I didn't feel my best until Friday. Friday is probably I feel fully, <laughs> fully recovered. <laughs> right, so on, on, on a short week, every team I've been on, it's been really about taking care of the body. It's all about the mental reps. And we'll have tons and tons of walkthroughs. So Monday – on a normal week, you'll come in, you'll watch film, you'll get a lift, and you'll head back to the house. Well, on a Monday, that'll be your longer day, Monday and Tuesday. So you come in on a short week on Monday, you'll watch film. And some teams, they just move on. So if, they, if you have a really good game, they just move on from it. Sometimes you have a really bad game, they just move on from it because the game is so close, right? You want to focus on this week is the Lions. So they'll come in Monday, they'll watch film on the Lions, they'll prepare, they'll go through a walkthrough in the morning time, and there'll be, a, a, I mean, a detailed walkthrough. It'll be like a, you know, maybe a longer walkthrough, but it's not sprinting at all. It's just really taking care of your body. After that, you'll have lunch. Um, you'll come back in. They, they emphasize, hey, make sure you're taking care of your body, cold tubs and massages, acupuncture, whatever you need, you know. And then the Texans are fortunate because they, they have one of the best training staffs around. So they do a really good job of figuring out different ways to take care of the guys and get them ready to go. But it's literally all walkthroughs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tons of film, tons of walkthroughs, sometimes two or three a day, just to make sure um, mentally we're there, right? Mentally, you understand what you got to do. At this point of the season and at this point of your career, you should know how to run a post route, how to run a slant, how to block down on power, how to outside zone block, how to share the block if you're a D-line, whatever the case may be. Now it's about mental reps and preparing 
preparing up top. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's definitely a week where it's different, and it feels good once you're done playing because you get a longer – it feels like a longer – you know, you get 10 days till you play again. Um, but that, that week of preparation is probably the most uh, compact week because everything's thrown on you quickly. Wow. Okay. Well, what about taking the – have you played in the Thanksgiving game before, by the way? You know what? I've never played in the Thanksgiving game. That's one of, that was play, one of my goals growing up. You played on Thursday night, though, so you know what that Absolutely. feeling is like on a Thursday, uh, mon- uh, Sunday-Thursday transition. Uh, well, t- take me through Thanksgiving football because how special do you think this is for the guys? I mean, the only Texans who have done this are Watt, Weeks, Whitney. I mean, that's about it uh, other than some coaches – but what about a player playing in this kind of game for the first time? It's a very unique situation. It's it's pretty cool, man. And and me, for I'll talk for myself. Like growing up, I, that was a dream. Like it was Thanksgiving and football are coincide. I mean that that's just what it is. They coexist. Like it's it's the same. So to see that on TV and then actually be able to play in it, like I think this is Deshaun's first Thanksgiving game. How cool is that going to be for him? And you playing against the Lions. The Lions always play on Thanksgiving. The Lions and the Cowboys, you know, it's guaranteed they're going to play on Thanksgiving. And you get to play one of those, you know, you get to play one of the franchises um, that's been around a while, that's, that's has some tradition according to uh, um, as far as Thanksgiving and playing on that day. It, it's a pretty big deal. And you're the only, I think it's three games that day, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a chance to play prime time. Well, I, I call it prime time, but everybody's watching, right? I'm not sure what time the game is, but everybody, everybody's watching the game. So it, it, it's a big deal. I'm excited for the rookies. Um, and then just to shine. And it, it, to be honest, I'm excited to watch it because Deshaun always shows up when it's the biggest moments. So to have yeah. him on in front of everybody is going to be a sight to see. Especially against a guy that's not – it's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going against Lamar – I mean, Matthew Stafford and this team, they can be had. I know they don't play against each other. They're on the field. But, like, this just seems like the storm is sort of coming together perfectly because of the way Deshaun's been playing. You're yeah. going to be inside. You're not going to be in, you know, Cleveland with the 60-mile-per-hour wind and rain. Yeah. And the Lions are smarting. They are limping. They're, mm-hmm. They don't look like a pretty good franchise right now. This just looks like it could be a whopper of a game for Deshaun Watson. And maybe none of that happens, but it just seems like all the stars are sort of aligning for it to, to happen. No, I was looking, and I hate to go back to the loss against Cleveland, but I was thinking, hey, if you can beat Cleveland, beat New England, and beat the Lions, those three winnable games for you, you're in decent shape to – yeah. Still have an outside chance and be in the hunt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, this is a good part of the schedule. I'm like, hey, if you can squeeze these out, you're you're in the you know anything can happen from there if you get on the roll. Um, but yeah, this is this is a winnable game. Um, if you have Deshaun in your fantasy football, you probably should pick him up. Um, this is <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is something that um, I think Deshaun will have a really good game. I think the offense. I just the last two games. I think you can come in and um, – I'm sorry, the last game, I think you can come in and continue to roll, continue the offensive going, and then that defense. You got some young guys playing well. You got Gennaro who got a sack last week, um, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the other guys. So, you definitely got a shot. I was going to ask you about the defense because we've been talking about offense all this time, but how impressed were you on Sunday with this defense's ability to, to stop the run or at least slow it down? Probably one of their best performances this year. What, was, what do you think was different in that game against New England? Because it's the same personnel, it's the same guys, and we've been hearing it week after week after week that everyone just has to play their, play their gap and be disciplined. But what really – what looked different to you in Sunday's win against the Patriots? When your defensive coordinator stands up in a meeting or stands up to the media, excuse me, and stands up for you mm-hmm. and has your back 
you will run through a wall for that guy. You will wow. run through a wall for that guy. And I think Weaver was the reason they played hmm. differently. I, I truly, I truly believe it. the personnel didn't change. Nothing like n- n- the scheme didn't change. It was they were more disciplined, they were more sound, and they're like, listen, coach really got our back. We're in a situation where we're we have a, a not good record right now. We're not a good football team right now overall. We know we can play better. Let's go out there and let's do it. Let's play for our our defensive coordinator who just took up for us. So now it's time for us to have his back. He's fighting for us. Let's fight for him. So to me, that's just what it was. It was that simple. He went out there and said what he had to say. He stood by his guys. He didn't let nobody down. And those guys were like, let's fight for him. And I yes. think truly that's what happened. It's it's funny that you say that because I I felt that way and I'm not even on the defense. But I I texted these guys afterwards. I was like, now that was a press conference. Like I don't know how yeah. anyone else perceived it, but just internally, you know, you're covering press conferences week after week. You do too, Cecil. You you hear what the coaches have to say. She mm-hmm. just seems so different from the tone that we'd been hearing after losses and in previous weeks. I mean, he was really fired up about Justin Reed. He named yep. several guys that have have really worked hard this season. I mean, but. I I think that's really telling that you think that makes such a difference that players take that to heart. When when you when your coach stands out to the because he doesn't have to, right? He can he can obviously say this guy needs to play better, that guy needs to play better. He got to fill this gap or whatever the case may be. He made a bad mistake. No, he stood up for his guys. Said they have been working extremely hard. We are doing our best. And he, I mean, when you do that as a player, it's like I got you, coach. I know. Yeah. I know I need to. I know I need to step up. I know I need to play better. You're counting on me. I understand it. You got my back. Guess what? I got yours. So I think that spoke volumes, and I hope this continues to the rest of the season for the guys. You know, it's an interesting dynamic, Cecil, because Bill O'Brien gone after week four, yeah, and that's really early when you see a dismissal of a head coach, right? Earlier than usual. Yet the bulk of the season left, and but Romeo commands a lot of respect, right? Romeo commands respect. You mentioned what Weaver's doing right now. Tim Kelly, obviously, that's working out a lot better uh, as we go on throughout the season. What about the players' reaction to these guys? And knowing that they're, in all likelihood, not going to be around after the season and things could completely change. It's a tough situation um, for the coaches and the players, right? It's just all around. It's just a sticky it's just a sticky, nasty thing to be in. And I've been in that situation twice in Jacksonville where it's just like, all right, we know we don't know who's going to be the head coach next year. The coaches know we're probably all going to be gone. And it's like, let's just play for each other. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just give it all we got. You know what I mean? Let's just go out there and play the best we can. Let's have fun while we're doing it. And, that, and that's what it seems like. It seems like they enjoy the game a little bit more. It seems like they're playing with and they're enjoying each other a little bit more and when you go out there, you can play free. We can go out there and not worry about your, you know, what's what's going on behind the scenes or what's going on behind your back. Just go out there and play ball, and whatever, whatever however the cookie lays, however the bricks lay, they they lay. But let's go out there and, and play the best that we can. Um, but to, to be honest, I think the the league has a respect for Romeo Cornell, right? He's a legend. He'll probably be in the Hall of Fame sooner than later, um, whenever he stops coaching. But <laughs> you got to stop the getting the yeah. Hall of Fame. Right? But the guys. Um, mutually respect him and understand he's a he's like I said a legend and a guy that understands the game so when he speaks he let people listen he doesn't have to yell and scream and do all that that's not his character right but when he speaks people listen and people take take account or they take after their head coach right so they can play more relaxed they can not be so uptight that's why I think they're playing a little bit better when the when the change is made well the other thing is this if what? Romeo was ever mad at me 
I would I would feel so awful. Like I would do anything to not make him mad because he does. It seems like he doesn't get mad. I'm not saying he's not intense, but I it would just shock me into whatever you know, whatever kind of motivation I would need. You know, some other coaches they get mad, and eh, it's just Tuesday. So you never know how that's going to play out. Cecil stays with us, and we'll talk about your name came up a lot last week because we were talking to a guy from the Cleveland area who knows you and had a lot of nice things to say. We And he's currently a Houston Texan and had another big play last week. Let's get to it next on the Texans Players Show here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. It's the Texans Player Show on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty with our guest, Cecil Shorts III, former Texans wide receiver, former Jaguar, and Buccaneer, too. Oh, my gosh, did you watch the Bucks last night? Did you watch Brady? Yeah, I did. You did. Okay. Uh, what um, did you think? I think that um, both teams are really good. I'll be honest with you. I think both teams are good. Mm-hmm. I think the offense for Tampa Bay has to cater more to what Brady was good at in New England as far as the short to intermediate game. He's not that good anymore throwing the ball down the field. And I know that's what Arians wants to do, but they have to cater more to what Tom can do. You got to cater to your players, not your system, if that makes sense in this situation. So I think both teams are good, but they got up the offensively as far as for Tampa Bay and, um, and Tom, they got to cater to him a little bit more. That throw at the end was so not Brady. I mean, that throw oh, no. was Terrible. not Tom Brady. I don't know who that was. Uh, you know, he's got Evans open maybe on the left side, and he just chucks it deep, and it gets picked off, and, and I was absolutely shocked. Uh, but I want to get to this. Pharaoh Brown last week was our guest, and he made another nice play. I mean, he took people with him for a first down and then some against the New England Patriots on a day when the tight ends did very well overall as a group. And the week before, caught the only touchdown against Cleveland, which I know was special for him, Cecil. He was saying that the Browns players, they all know him because he was there. And they know he's from Cleveland. And it was just a special moment, even though the Texans lost. At the time, they weren't out of the game. And uh, and he said Browns players were congratulating him for scoring in that moment. That that kid right there, man. Um, I watched him grow up. We played on the same – we called it in Cleveland. We called it Muni League team, just little league football. Yeah. We played in the same the same little league team growing up. I was always older. Um, I watched him in high school. My dad coached him in high school. We played with my little brother um, in high school. My little brother was quarterback. He was a tight end defense, and he was recruited by I mean I don't know every school in America it seems like. And I watched him go to Oregon and uh, go through. He had a good year, but go through with that injury where he almost lost his leg, and to see him today. Um, still being the same silly, silly guy he is, still being able to be able to go out there and, and play well at a high level and to, to reach his goal, reach his dream, um, it, it's, it's, it's exciting, man. He's a guy that, number one, is going to work his butt off. Number two, he's going to block extremely well. The holding call against him was bogus to me. He demolished that kid and put him in the ground. <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have been holding. And then he can, he can make plays in the passing game as well. So I'm excited for him, man. He's a, he's a great kid. Um, my my dad called me the Cleveland game when he scored it. So actually, I was on Facetime with my brother while we were watching the game, 
And my dad takes the phone from my brother. Let's go, Pharaoh! <laughs> my dad's the biggest Browns fan ever. <laughs> Let's go, Pharaoh! So it was, it was a big moment for everybody in Cleveland back home. We are all rooting for him and glad he's doing well. You know, he was like, he's like the $20 bill you find in your winter coat when you put it on for the first time. <laughs> like, this guy's been a silver lining. This guy can play. I mean, yeah. you saw that. It took nine Patriots to bring him down on that one 18-yard completion the other day. He's a, he could be a part of the future here, I mean, if you keep him around. I, I think so. I think he fits well. I think one thing about a tight end, um, no matter what system you're in, no matter what offense you're in, they want a tight end. Every coach wants a tight end that can block. Every single coach. If you, if you look at Mercedes Lewis, he probably can't even run no more, but he can block. He's, he's hanging on with the Packers for this 14th, 15th year, whatever it is. When you, get, when you get a guy that's that big, that athletic, and can block first, you're going to make a lot. You can make a lot of offensive coordinators happy because they can do a lot of things with you. Now, he can line up and do some things in the passing game as well. He's a guy that's still young, can go out there and make some plays, and, and he's doing that, and he's not making silly mistakes when his name is called, when number is called. But if he can go out there and can be consistent at what he's doing, he can definitely help this franchise. It seems like with the tight end group, obviously, Kahali Waring comes off of IR. Mm. But now with Barrow, I mean, Drew called him a $20 bill. I was going to say dark horse. But with, the, with his emergence in recent weeks, I mean, it just seems like it's going to be so much harder for Kahali to get those offensive snaps because, I mean, how do you take a guy like Farrow off the field? And, of course, you got Fells and Akins, and you know the chemistry that they have with Deshaun. And, and then here comes Farrow. Where does, where does Kahali fit in? And and in the future, I mean, looking out next year, do you think the future holds space for this many tight ends? Or, you know, does a different system lend itself to, to fewer of that position group? There's very few teams, Deepy, that have, and I believe the Texans will have four active tight ends. Like, you, yeah. you don't see that often. Right. You, you'll see three. You'll even see two. But you'll never see four. You don't see it that often. So the thing is about, about Kahali, and you guys know, he's a third-round pick. So you want and, – and in practice and, you know, with shorts and everything on, he looks amazing. So you want to see what he can do. You want to see – like I said, it's to see can he really play in the game? What can he bring to the table? And like I said, third-round picks, you don't want to waste that pick. And, and, and to be honest, you'll give a draft pick more opportunities than you'll give a guy that's undrafted. That's just how the name of the game is, right? So he'll get an opportunity. I don't know how much and I don't know when and I don't know how, right, because – the three guys you got are playing at a, at a high level right now. Akins came in last week and, oh, man, he, <laughs> couldn't nobody cover him one-on-one. The Patriots went man coverage against him, and he's like, nope, this is not going to happen. Deshaun found him over and over and over again. So, And you mentioned we talked about Farrell. We know what fails can do. So there's ways to get Kahali on the field. There'll probably be certain packages for him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this works. For the future, no way they keep four. No way this year. I think they will. They just want to see their young guys play. Um, but future move, like after this season, I don't think they keep four. Somebody will have to go. Um, who it is, I don't know. But they'll, they'll probably keep three on the active roster. Uh, Cecil, from what you've been able to see from the Titans and the Colts, I mean, this is – it's a bad year to have them doing so well. Uh, yeah. and, and you mentioned it, you know, win here, win there, the, the win over Cleveland. If you were able to close out Tennessee and beat Cleveland, my goodness. I mean, we'd yeah. be over here. Oh, here we come. And, and, you know, maybe they go on a big run anyway, and that's what I'm hoping for, of course. But what do you make of the Titans and the Colts as you see them do particularly well this year? Ooh, I'm going to be honest, Mark. Uh, nobody's really talking about the Colts as they should. They lost to Jacksonville week one, I think it was. Yeah, week one. And then 
they've been slowly getting better and better and better week after week. Um, they have an identity. Their defense is for real. Um, you know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to use different backs in the backfield. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not scared of Phillip Rivers, mm-hmm. but Phillip is still Phillip at times, right? You still got to respect him. You can't – he's a, another Hall of Famer to be whenever he's done. Um, and then the Titans, they are who they are. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play action. Um, and, they're, and they're coming along. So it, it's, it's a tough year to, to kind of start behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. tough. You got those guys playing pretty, pretty well. Um, but who knows, man? You can get on a run like a couple of years ago. What was it, nine-game win streak? What year was that? Yeah, that was nice. That was 2018. Yeah. 2018, and, you know, so. You know, Cecil, the year that you guys were 2-5, and five, it was 2015. We talked about your touchdown pass to Alfred Blue. Uh, that mm-hmm. was part of a, a winning streak that got the Texans out of the doldrums. You beat the Titans, the Bengals, the Jets, the Saints, and really got moving that year. Uh, what was that like? Because there you were at two and five, and it seemed like, oh boy, this is over. And then all of a sudden, you're winning the division. Now the division kind of stayed in reach, within reach. Uh, nobody ran away with it. There was no uh, Peyton Manning, nobody to run away with it, get 10, 12 wins, and put you guys away. But what was that like making that run? It was awesome, man. We, like you mentioned, we started off two and five. And at, what the turning point for us was that Cincinnati game at Cincinnati yeah. on Monday night. Um, when we when we went out there and we beat them because I believe they were seven and zero or they were one of the top tier teams. Yep. They were yeah they were undefeated at that point in time in the season, and um, I think we all had a feeling we were better than what we were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, to be honest, Bill O'Brien did a great job prepping us for that game, and then we used that momentum to really push us forward. So if you can get one big win, right? If you can win this week against the Lions and then go next week. And, and get a big win there, you can get things rolling and really get start to believe. And momentum is everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, being being hot at the right time is everything, right? And this is the year to do it because there's one more team in the playoffs this year, if I'm not mistaken. So yep. this if it, this is the year to get hot and, and sneak in the playoffs, this is the year to do it. So for us, that, that big Cincinnati game was a turning point for us. And then um, hopefully the next few weeks they can, we can see the te- Texans get on the road too. Awesome. Cecil, thanks so much for the time tonight. We really appreciate it, and have a great Thanksgiving. Hey, you guys too. Always fun. Cecil Shorts the third on Texans Radio, the Texans Player Show. All right, it's great to catch up with him. I don't think we do it enough. we got a lot of great legends to catch up with, and uh, Cecil, a regular on Texans Extra Points. All right, a couple of programming notes for you here. We're going to have an hour of Texans All Access after this on the flagship Sports Radio 610 and most of these, or many of these, Texans Radio Network stations. Then Texans Replay with John Harris, a really good one tonight. Not only does he look at the Patriots game, but he looks at the last time the Texans played Detroit, which was a wild one with the Justin Forsett run that wasn't but was, and the overtime victory in 2012 on a short week following another overtime victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can't wait to hear hear all that stuff on Texans Replay. And Texans All Access Wednesday nights, 6 to 8. Listen to that. Blow off your family. Listen to the show. And on Thursday, Thanksgiving, here's the deal. The game kicks off at 1130 Central. We'll be on the air at 830 with Texans Countdown presented by Kroger. It's going to be Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne giving you the full three-hour pregame. And we'll be on the pregame, Andre and I, with our check-in. And John Harris from Detroit and Romeo Cornell and I will have a visit. All of that stuff will be for you, with you, 
and you'll be able to enjoy it on Thursday morning. So wake up to that. Maybe turn the radio on while you're watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, which we will cover in the next hour. Not the parade in its entirety. Trust me. All right, that's going to do it for the Texans Players Show. Have a great night, and go Texans.